Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we have Frederick on who is a portrait photographer. Hi Frederick. Hi Dan, how are you? How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, I can't believe I'm the first photographer you've had on here. Yeah, well actually we've got a, a landscape photographer episode coming out in a couple of weeks, but you're okay. the first um, a portrait photographer, yeah. Frederick. Nice, nice. Um, so do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what you actually do, Frederick? Yes, yeah, so I'm a, I take pictures of people for a living and, um, and I love doing them every single day. It's just the best job in the world, really. I, I, um, I specialize in portraiture, but also in group portraits, which um, I would say is quite a, a challenge in itself because coordinating large groups of people is usually quite uh, tricky, but um, I really enjoy that challenge. So where did this love for photography come from? Actually, I didn't train as a photographer. I'm self-taught. So I, I come from Switzerland, um, from Geneva, and I came to the UK 20-odd years ago to study Japanese at Oxford. And it was during that time that I took up photography as a hobby, and then it became an all-encompassing sort of lifestyle choice and it became my passion and and what I eventually did once I graduated so yeah that's uh I'm self-taught and I'm really glad that I I studied Japanese actually because it's helped me a lot in the photography believe it or not um but um yeah photography I started when I actually started taking pictures of my mom when my parents were divorcing and uh, it was just a way to distract her to kind of make her feel good at the time when she wasn't feeling too good and I realized that there was something there that was truly helping her you know but also it was helping me to be creative because I had been quite um, Sort of active on the in the art room um, and in high school painting and drawing but once I got to Oxford I had much less time to sort of draw and paint so uh, photography was a much quicker medium uh, at least I thought so at first uh, it was a much quicker medium at that time to produce images you know and my mum was a willing guinea pig at the beginning and then I sort of started photographing friends and uh, fellow students at university who all needed pictures for whatever careers in theatre, etc. And also for the student publications. And um, by the time I graduated university, I had a portfolio that I used to um, get jobs in London. Why do you think you uh, start off doing self-portraits? Oh, no, sorry, sorry uh, photographing portraits. I think for most people, they probably think of doing landscapes or something as their first sort of photography. What, drove, what sort of took you towards that? That's a great question. I, I, I've always been interested in people, even though I used to be very shy. Um, but I think the camera helped me to... Um, it gave me a reason to approach people in a way, and it gave me a reason to be social. And now I don't think I'm shy anymore, but you know, I'm an, I'm a, an outgoing extrovert, an outgoing introvert, as you know, some people would say. <laughs> and I think that um, uh, portrait, portraiture helps me to um, discover other universes and worlds that I wouldn't normally encounter, you know, just by virtue of having a camera in your hand, 
you're allowed into the most wonderful places. You get to see the most beautiful homes. You travel all around the world. Uh, you meet some fantastic people. And so for me, that is just an ideal, uh, an ideal job because I get to be creative, travel, be social, um, push myself, you know, and, and most of the time it's, um, it's quite a busy activity. So there's, there's enough work to keep you going. It's a very emotive sort of art form, isn't it? Portrait photography. How do you sort of put your, um, your clients at ease when you're working with them? Do you have any, any sort of tips or things? Yeah. Um, so there's this belief that you have to put everyone at ease, which, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I, do, I do actually subscribe to that to an extent. I think, yes, you should try and make people feel comfortable in front of the camera. And I usually do that by just talking to them or um, meeting them maybe a day before or, or a few days before the shoot. You know, that way they can relax and they know what to expect. Mm. Uh, it's always better when there's been a, an initial contact, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but... I would also say that it's not necessary to um, necessarily during a photo shoot entertain someone or make them laugh or make them, you know, or sort of bombard them with all sorts of, you know, things that are going to make them react. I think sometimes it's equally interesting to just have someone exist um, even in an awkward silence or, you know, just in a normal setting without it being contrived and mm. to see how they react and to see how what they choose to show you at that time because sometimes you know you go into shoots and you don't have much time with people so you don't have time necessarily to make friends with them so especially with politicians you don't necessarily want to feed into their um, PR machine by making them look better than they are so you just want to see who that person is and what they choose to show you yeah. And on that, how do you sort of balance it between doing sort of a contracted port, uh, photo shoot and it also being your artwork? That's a really great question. And, you know, that's something we grapple with for years because I think it's, it's very important to use those first few years where you're not really that busy with work to develop your own style, to find out who you are as a photographer, you know, what what do you want to photograph? What is your visual signature? Um, and, and to develop that to such an extent that when people do hire you, they're hiring you for that, you know? So because, because they've seen how good your group portraits are, for example, in, um, you know, a, a personal project that you did or an exhibition, they want that look for their magazine. So they hire you to give them that, not for you to just be a simple technician pressing a button, you know, and they tell you exactly what to do. They want you to be able to bring your style to the table, you know. And so I think that's why you need to develop your own voice as a photographer uh, for years and years before you really start branching out into paid work. And obviously that's difficult because you know, if you're starting as a photographer, you want to start making money straight away. And that's, um, you know, you don't have the luxury to just sit there taking pictures for yourself the whole time. You've got to pay bills, etc. So it's a real struggle, you know, you, you kind of, 
do a little bit on the personal work side and then you have to balance it out with paid work and and try and keep your integrity at the same time and not yeah. sell out doing things that you don't want to do and so uh, you also said that you were self-taught what was sort of the processes or steps that you went through to to develop your skills um did you go to libraries and read about it did you have a mentor or what, what happened yeah um well i'm from the era of analog um so <laughs> most photographers nowadays wouldn't um start learning photography on um on an analog camera with film you know it's actually so expensive but I found ways around it at the time by um, ordering bulk amount, film on bulk uh, from uh, abroad and, and they would send you like 100 rolls for about 30 quid or something, you know, and then I would develop them by myself in a dark room and print them myself. And I did that for black and white and color. So um, I found ways around sort of the expensive side of it and um, was able to learn really how it all works by doing it all myself, very hands-on. So you learn um, about exposure, you learn about color balance, you learn all those things if you're gonna actually do the printing yourself. Um, and I didn't really have anyone to, to teach me. I mean, I had to look, look things up in books. Um, the internet was sort of getting good <laughs> at the time. That might sound really old, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, the internet was sort of all right uh, back in 1999, you know, for that. And um, and I joined the Oxford University Photographic Society. So it was um, an easy way to meet other photographers. But, you know, that was kind of just um, to get access to the dark room. And I think it was weird because a lot of photographers didn't really want to tell you how they did things. And I find that that's the sad side of the industry is that sometimes it's a little bit secretive, you know, people are quite um, secretive about their, what they're doing and things like that. So you kind of have to figure things out for yourself. And if you're lucky, you meet people who are happy to tell you, you know. So what was your first sort of really, uh, you know, paid piece of work that you got? Gosh, I don't know if I can remember. Um, I did a lot for, um, I did a lot for student magazines. They didn't pay, obviously. Um, but then once I moved to London, the pictures I took at Oxford were picked up by some newspapers. One of them was the Times, you know, and, mm. um, and it was my first paycheck in that sense. And when I moved to London, um, I did, for many years, I did free photo shoots, um, because then I felt like I didn't have to answer to anyone and I didn't really have to give them what they wanted necessarily. So for modeling agencies, I took pictures of models for their portfolios and I did that for free for about, you know, hun for hundreds of different models. <clears throat> and um, that was a way for me to kind of learn how to handle that situation. with. And what's it like building your network and how do you go about doing that because i assume that's how you get a lot of your your work through word of mouth and networking oh well that um you know that takes years i think you've just got to be you just got to be yourself and go out into the world and do your best to meet people and to interact and to obviously treat people well because that's what that's what's going to bring them back and make them want to work with you again and, you know, it all goes from there. I think if you are professional, 
if you treat people well and you produce good work, then people will come back and then they'll talk about you to other people. It's all word of mouth, really. Mm. And I guess as a, as a portrait photographer, what is an average day if there is one? How do you set a, a shoot up and, and what goes into it? Wow, that's a really cool question, actually, because it, no day is the same ever. You know, so there is no average day, uh, mm. which is what I like. Um, it depends. I, if you're shooting, then, I mean, you will get ready for a, a nonstop uh, race around, you know, the clock, trying to get as much as you can, because that's your only chance to get those pictures. You know, you only have one shot kind of thing. Mm. So you're, um, you're trying to get as much as you can out of a shooting day. And those can usually run really late and you shouldn't really expect to do anything else that day. Um, and then on days when you're editing, um, I would say those are also very grueling. If you have someone who can help you with all of that, you know, if you, for example, don't really want to get involved with Photoshop or, you know, spending your time looking at thousands of pictures all the time, uh, then you can delegate all that stuff. But I think it's very good to do it yourself, at least in the beginning, because you can... It, it really helps you develop a lot. It, it helps you develop your eye, you know, and all sorts of other skills. So there's a lot of time spent editing. And then, you know, there's all the admin side of it too. You've got to file tax returns. <laughs> You've got to, yeah. um, you know, do your, you know, look at your equipment and say, can I improve any of my, any of my equipment? Uh, do all the research for that. Uh, planning trips. Um, meeting people, there's lots of meetings involved. Sometimes you wonder if they really need to happen and if they can't just be a phone call. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that. And what are some of the personality traits that you uh, you see in yourself and others in the industry that really help you thrive? So I think um, generosity. I think you've got to be generous with yourself um, uh, and others. You've got to be willing to give as much as you can of yourself, really, because um, no one's going to do it for you. And I think people appreciate generosity. Um, you know, let's say you do a photo shoot, give all the pictures to the person you photograph, not just to the client. Let's say if it's a magazine that um, uh, commissioned you, you should also try and give those pictures, share those pictures with the people you photograph. You'd be surprised how many photographers don't. Uh, you need to be, I think, um, professional, obviously, treat people well, on time, um, precise. I think you've got to work with precision and, and think about everything that you do because from the beginning, from the inception of a photograph, right up to the end when it's sent out to the client or exhibited on the wall, you're going to make millions of decisions. And those millions of decisions are really down to your own taste level. They're really up to you. Um, and so you've got to be quick at making decisions. You've got to stand by your decisions afterwards and justify them. <clears throat> and you need to cut a figure. You know, you need to have an opinion on the world and, and be willing to stand by that opinion. What are you trying to say? What is your voice as a photographer? Why are you doing this? Are you there to just make pretty pictures? Or are you trying to expose certain truths that are uncomfortable for people to see? Are you trying to 
um, uh, help with the environment? Are you trying to, I don't know, there's so many things you need to cut a figure and have an opinion on things as well. Photography is very emotive. And what interests me sometimes is that one person can say, this is an amazing photo. And another might say, oh, I don't really like that photo. But for you, what is something you always look for in your work? And you say, yes, I like that photo more than this photo because of X, Y, and Z. You know, if I could put my finger on that and explain it in words and and write a manual, then I might just retire now because I, <laughs> I think you need, it's, it's just one of those things, you see a picture sometimes and you don't really understand why you love it so much or why mm. it really works, but it just does. And then the more you look at it, the more things you see. Um, you know, for, in my case, um, I like a picture when it's not too posed. So when you try, when you capture something that's not necessarily intentional, it could be that split second between a couple poses or sort of an unguarded moment um, or something in the eyes. For me, the eyes are always very important in portraits. I think that's the most important part of the portrait is the person's eyes. I always want to see their eyes. And so, uh, yes, I always start with the eyes um, because I always am fascinated by people's expression in their eyes. And then I think that there's a lot of subconscious things that fall into place that you're not necessarily doing on purpose when you're photographing, but sometimes you create these dynamic lines that run through an image and they just sort of fall into place, you know, and sometimes it only lasts for a few seconds, but you know, like the leg, the, the person's leg is, is symmetrical with the branch of the tree in the background and the, the, the foot of the table on the other side of the picture and it all kind of just falls into this harmonious, uh, balance and those are those are things that you can't plan in advance it just happens on the day of the mm, shoot yeah how difficult is it to work with people who maybe aren't sort of uh, have any like, acting skill you've obviously spoken about um capturing their emotion in a in, in their eyes but obviously it's potentially a setup shot in some um, regards and um, how do you sort of overcome that um, well, you know, start off by giving, letting them sort of do a setup shot and then just relax into something else after a few minutes. You know, you don't have to do a whole photo shoot in one way. So you start off by doing something that's, you know, what they expect or that's sort of more um, formal. And then eventually they're going to relax because they'll, have, they'll feel like, okay, you know, they did that stuff that they thought they were going to do. And then it's sort of, if you talk to them a bit and, you know, you show them that you're not nervous, then things will move on. And, and then that's when things get interesting, I would say. And what would be, would be some of the biggest positives for you of the industry? Wow, well, it's so much fun. I love it. I, it's just so much fun to, to take pictures and to see them in an exhibition or in a magazine and to meet all these wonderful people. I mean, really, for the most part, they're wonderful. <laughs> and uh, to travel around the world, to, um, you know, to have an idea, literally, it could hit you anytime. You might be watching a movie, you might be reading a book, uh, you might be in a, in a bubble bath and you have this idea and you think, oh God, that's ridiculous. I don't know if I could ever do that, but then block by block you build it up 
and eventually that idea comes to reality and you you make it happen and i think that's one of the most rewarding things is that you know something that you just thought of you can actually go all the way through this whole process of making it uh, a, an actual photograph and i just i think that's one of the most rewarding things professionally that you could do and then I guess that leads nicely into what are some of the biggest opportunities you've had. I mean, you've worked with some amazing people. There's, you know, on your Instagram, you've Pharrell Williams, I see Ian McKellen, um, just, just to name a couple. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's one of the one of the really fun sides of, of photography, if, especially if you're into portraits, is that uh, sometimes you're going to meet some really incredible people and people that you've admired for a long time and um and then you you become part of their legacy in a way because you're you're creating images that are going to be there for a long time after they're gone you know mm. so it's it's truly fantastic and if someone had told me when i was a teenager that i would be working with all these people i, I would have laughed um but yeah yeah <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. And what would be uh, some of the less favorable aspects that you, you have to deal with in the industry? Um, I would say long hours. You're, you know, because you're self-employed usually, uh, you're going to be working weekends and evenings, you know, and unless you're really strict with yourself, you'll just be working a lot. And for that reason, you really need to love what you do. Uh, and in my case, I do, so I don't mind working a lot. Um, that, for most people, is a downside. And, um, and I would say also, you know, you're not necessarily going to have a steady stream of income ever. You know, things, even for the top-level photographers, they go through cycles. You know, you always go through cycles where you might be making a lot of money for a few weeks and then for a couple months after that you're not really making any money you know so you've got to be good at at managing that side of things and what would be something that's uh, not in the job description that you have to deal with maybe every now and then or um quite often hmm. good question well i think um dealing with people's uh insecurities um is something that I've realized is increasingly part of the job and, and, um, and some, also some of the insecurities then, you know, create all sorts of, all sorts of problems because it creates, um, I think, you know, people's egos get in the way and, and things like that. So you can sometimes have situations where people are not uh, comfortable with the way they look or they're very guarded about what pictures can be shown etc and in those cases I think you've just got to respect their those wishes and just go ahead and and do what they like you know um, it's a shame that some people would be that way because most of the time they those insecurities are unjustified and they they actually look fantastic but they in their head don't realize it yeah yeah um you spoke a little bit earlier about um some of the other aspects of the industry that you have to deal with such as editing uh organizing stuff what sort of balance is it between doing all those things and how much 
how much time do you actually spend doing what you love or of taking the pictures? That's a great question. I mean, it's really down to you. You know, are you, are you happy to do everything from start to finish by yourself or would you rather delegate and, and are you able to trust someone else to do the editing for you? Because it's true, if you spend all your time editing and retouching photos, then you're no longer a photographer, you're a retoucher. You know? So you've got to make sure that the balance is always on the side of shooting and that you're spending most of your time conceptualizing photos and taking photos rather than photoshopping them afterwards. And so, yeah, I think that's a, <clears throat> that's a balance which people struggle with a lot of the time is um, especially if they're working by themselves, you know. So sometimes it's really great to find someone you trust to do all your editing who will second guess everything that you like and need and who will understand your aesthetic and just do the work the way you want them to. Yeah. And uh, obviously creating your own business, did you sort of just learn as you went or did you have anyone who gave you some tips about um, creating your own portrait photography business? No, I, I think you just learn as you go along. Um, yeah, I just sort of, I read a lot of newspapers, magazines. Um, I look at, uh, I go to a lot of exhibitions. Uh, I, I love art shows and photography shows. I go to as much as I can. I think you just develop uh, an understanding of what's going on, of, of you know, uh, the industry and, and all of that quite quickly if you just keep your eyes open and look. How has the rise of the digital world impacted what you do and, and how you do it? Because obviously magazines are maybe less and less of a, of a thing these days, whereas social media and online publications have, have really risen. Have you had to change anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, I started out shooting on, on film, you know, so I had to change everything. I, I, and it took me a really long time to transition from film to digital, from analog to digital, uh, fully and for a few years I was kind of straddling both I was sort of dipping my toes into digital but I was still shooting the important stuff on film and eventually I felt that the digital cameras had caught up enough um, that it was it was fine to just shoot everything on digital and then the pressures of magazines made it such that I couldn't shoot on film anymore because things had to there was such a quick turnaround you know for example there's this one picture that I took uh, which was probably my first viral photo, which is of the Vogue, uh, the, all the international editors of Vogue in one photo, all the, in, you know, how many were there? I think 17 of them. Wow. Uh, including Anna Wintour and, and editors from all other editions. And Vogue wanted that picture to be released half an hour after the photo shoot. Oh, my word. <laughs> and so, you know, the planning had to be really quite um, minute in advance. You had to really plan everything in advance. And I got there literally 12 hours before to practice the whole process and to practice the lighting. And I got photography students to come and sit in so that I could test everything on them. And then by the time the editors arrived, it was, it was just a very smooth process. But then, you know, uh, because it's digital, they expected you to be able to do it so quickly. And the problem is that um, with group portraits, a lot of the time they require a lot of uh, post-production because sometimes people swap bits and pieces out from different pictures. But in this case, they didn't allow for that. So 
you know, it was a clear example of when digital kind of shot you in the foot because um, the expectations were so high and they wanted to get the picture out to the news agency by a certain deadline and you just had to do it very quickly. Are there any, obviously within portrait um, photography itself, are there any industries that you particularly like? Gosh, yeah, there's so much because really, I mean, you've got a camera and you go into all these different worlds, as I said, you know, so there is fashion, obviously. Um, although actually it's not really my favorite. Um, I, I, I just am interested in people, you know, so it doesn't matter the industry. Um, so that's the, the first thing for me is it's always about the person, not the industry. But because I work a lot with magazines like Vanity Fair, they send me to Switzerland a lot to photograph people in the watchmaking industry because they have this watch supplement uh, twice a year that I do a lot of pictures for. And um, so I've discovered quite a lot about the watch industry, which I find fascinating because I'm, well, I'm, I'm actually from Geneva myself. So, you know, I grew up around all that stuff. Uh, but now I, I actually have a much better understanding of just how fascinating it is. Um, it also brings out my nerdy side a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but then I also um, recently did a shoot with the NHS uh, during COVID. Uh, at the end of the first wave, I went into some of the hospitals in London to photograph staff from a broad range sort of, of people who, who make hospitals function, including receptionists and porters and uh, paramedics, midwives cooks, cleaners, everything from, you know, everyone in the hospital. And, and that was an eye opener. You know, I spent a few days with them and I just saw how, how many people are needed to have, have so many different job descriptions are needed to make a hospital function. It's fascinating. And would you uh, still go into the industry knowing everything you know now? Yes, absolutely. I, I wouldn't change a thing. I don't think, um, I think that I would, um, I would have done less fashion and I would have just focused more on portraiture from the start, I think. And that's because when I look at my pictures, my old pictures, I would say that the portraits are the ones that still speak to me. Whereas the fashion ones uh, kind of lose relevance, you know. Um, and that to me indicates that I'm not a fashion photographer because I think true fashion photographers, their pictures are timeless, yeah. you know. Uh, and for me, the pictures that I find of mine that are, are, have most lasting quality are the, are the portraits. And that's because I think that's where my heart really is. So, um, but that's fine, you know, I know that now. And I'm 40 years old. I've still got a few years in me, I think. So <laughs> I, I, I've got time to... Hopefully I've got time to uh, focus more on the portrait side of things. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Frederick. I've really enjoyed chatting to you and, uh, and learning all about your career. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much again. It's been brilliant to hear your story. Where can people um, find you on Instagram or other social medias or anywhere online? Yeah, so uh, my Instagram is at Frederick Aranda. Uh, and I have a website, frederickaranda.com. And yes, that's, those are the two main things, really. Brilliant. Thank Brilliant. you very much. Thanks, Frederick. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.